Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Greetings, salutations, hope you're staying dry. We're here to be with you, wet or not. It's Sports Talk, a two-hour extravaganza devoted to the Illini and more here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. I'm Scott Beatty. He is Lauren Tate. And coming up, our weekly segment with Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. We'll check in with him from his bi-week bunker Illinois and Nebraska on Saturday. Thoughts on that and more. Next hour, Evan Kahn's in with us, and we'll visit with Matt Stevens from IlliniGuys.com. His thoughts on football. Also recruiting a hot topic right now for Illinois football, so a couple of directions to go there as well. Glad you're with us. Great to see you, Mr. Tate. Yeah, with 18, they're getting they're getting pretty close to full up, aren't they, as far as high school players are concerned. If you want to keep openings for transfers and JCs, uh, you only got 25, right? Well, it's a big puzzle piece because Brett has referenced this a few times now. Brett Bielma, he anticipates 15 or 16 guys being done this year. Like, they're they're done with eligibility, mm-hmm. comma, but there might be an exception made, kind of like Alex That's Balchesky. That's right. He doesn't know right yep. now. It'd be impossible to know. Yeah. And then you've got guys that have aspirations for the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're thinking of a guy like a Keith Randolph. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe a, a Devin Weatherspoon or, or whoever it is. So you have those issues uh, come about, and then there's always just the fluid situation with recruiting in general and the portal and all these layers come together to you just don't know what your roster it's is. It's really tricky putting a, a, a roster together, particularly for next year, with this many uncertainties and with this many people coming out in the transfer, you got to keep the options open. One of the smartest things I think was done with the staffing of Brett Bielma's team there is the number of people devoted to recruiting. That's just gone up way significantly, and recruiting staffs have had to go up significantly. But it's not like it was in the previous uh, administration of head coach for football, and it's it's paying some dividends. This is a little better approach, <laughs> and we don't have the animosity of the high school coaches anymore. No. No. I read somewhere, supposedly Lovey Smith made overtures really early to high school coaches in Illinois, but on the whole was not uh, making a presence like he needed to. Well, you can say whatever you want. It's just what you do that matters. Yeah. And, and everything that that uh, has done since then has been to, in, to favor them in some fashion. Yep. So it's been a little light in the headlines today. Uh, yesterday was very busy. Uh, Bears played last night. and Stocking. Stocking, huh? Yeah. I left the ball game to go watch the Bulls beat up on the Celtics and watch Io DeSumo. And then I flipped back and I went realized the Bears had started putting together a whole rally. This was after they had blown a 10 nothing 
lead. They were down 14-10. I said, okay, I've seen this movie before. And it turns out that uh, they had one of their better games yeah, last night. Chicago dominated Boston, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. In the Boston area. Yeah, and the, the Celtics just kind of imploded on themselves as well. Great game for uh, for Iowa, 9 out of 10 from the field. That really helps. Yeah. They've been talking about how his shooting has improved. Mm-hmm. Yep. And don't second-guess that guy's work ethic, right? Nope. And by the way, did you catch the, uh, the, a little uh, kind of little flack there? Will Purdue, Vanderbilt alum, asking uh, uh, Kendall Gill I on did TV. about classroom? Yeah, it's like, oh, you don't yeah. think Iowa went to class and Kendall – was emphatic oh we went to class and you know actually there are it's actually a little bit harder to skip class if you're an athlete at because they've well, got I, checkers i do remember got, we had a checker that was going around and, and, and you know i mean one of our staff members yeah was when, checking classes yes and there and used he to, wasn't happy about having to do it either <laughs> well and there used to be volunteer checkers uh i, I, I maybe that was under weber or self, I don't know how many coaches did it, but there were people that went and checked and checked in the athletes to their classes. And yeah, Mark, return- Mark Coombs did it for Lou Henson. Yeah, and there were other, and you got tickets or something in return, that kind of thing, and made sure that so and so was there, or and let coach know if there wasn't. Yep. <laughs> what a gig! <laughs> so yeah, they go to class. How much they pay attention, how hard they work at it. That's mm-hmm. I don't know. That's but anyway. Uh, speaking of basketball, somebody who probably has to go to class as well, Terrence Shannon Jr., named to the Jerry West Award watch list today for this upcoming season. It's a national committee of top college basketball personnel to determine the list of 20 candidates. And he is uh, one of uh, I'm trying to see if there's another Big Ten nominee on it. I'm not seeing a Big Ten nominee besides him, but on this 20-person list. So there you go. Watch list season for, for basketball now. Boy, the Big Ten is really uh, downgraded by the national media this year. This looks like a down year for the Big Ten in basketball. I wonder what that will mean and how the script plays out. Well, we'll find out in, in the December games, of course. I mean, No, but. I'm thinking in March. Will Jim Bayheim <laughs> have to eat his words? <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't have to eat his words about last year. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, it's it. It goes back to that debate of what is success in basketball. You, you, you it, and it. It seems like, do you want your cake or do you want to eat it? And well, a coach would like to have both. If you leave it up to the fans, they make it pretty clear. Fans want that want want wins in March. If you leave it up to the administrators, they well, make it clear. You get bonuses for making going mm-hmm. further in March. I understand. You get more. It's more valuable to the school, isn't it? Monetarily speaking, I'm not saying it's yes. easier or harder. You, yes, you, you can argue it, but to to by the time you get to an elite eight, sweet but it's really eight. important to win in the regular season because if you the more you win, the better you're seated. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's no easy task to win your league, not the Big Ten at least. No, nope. but I think a lot of teams end up kind of being similar, and and. and you know, this was the point Coleman Hawkins made on this podcast a few months ago was that we know we knew how to counter everybody in the Big Ten, but we never had a counter outside of it when it got to crunch time in March. You know, they, he, I know he made that point, and, and if you look at the scores, every time Illinois plays a, uh, a game in March, the scores are in the 50s. Why is that? 
defense. Well, we beat Chattanooga, what, 55-54? I mean, come on. Yeah. So Loyola? You don't have a counter. Well, This year, this is a more versatile team, and so that's why I'm a little sunny on the prospects for March, as long as the record is reasonable. I don't know about winning the Big Ten. It'd be pretty hard to be worse. We'd be be pretty hard to be worse than we were in the Big Ten and in, in the in the March Madness. Well, yes. When you go nine and nine, you got nine teams in, and you you play five hundred ball. That's not really very good. Two in the Sweet Sixteen, mm-hmm. and they were in and out. Skip Shoemaker, switching to baseball. Skip Shoemaker, Schumacher, Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. Headed to the Marlins to coach down there, leaving the Cardinals. Uh, he was the bench coach, right, for the Cardinals? Yeah, I thought he might be uh, in line there. Yeah, he he uh, is going down to to take over the Marlins after Don Mattingly left. And that's uh, according to an ESPN report and other multiple outlets as okay. well. Of course, Schumacher, 11 seasons in the majors, first eight with the Cardinals and won the World Series with them in mm-hmm. 2011 was the bench coach. And that bench coach is usually – a precursor to a head uh, managing job. He so. took so many, uh, so much time tightening his gloves that they finally got around next year to putting a, a time <laughs> limit on that. Every rule He's has got an a, eight second time limit on switching your gloves. <laughs> Every rule has a name behind it, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's some of what's uh, going on here today. Illinois got a big ball game this Saturday on football wise against Nebraska because. If you you don't quite wrap up the division, of course, but you really uh, start to put a little bit of gap between you and the rest of your division components. But if Nebraska wins it, despite the season they've had, they're very much in it for the division race in terms. Well, yeah, of games. And then they'd, all they'd have to do is tie Illinois if they win. That's the great thing about winning these games within your division is because then they have to finish one game ahead of you to to beat you out for the playoff and. Uh, Opportunity to play Ohio State, <laughs> if that's who it is. You would like opportunities to play Ohio State to only come once a year in that championship <laughs> game, right? That's why I'm watching that schedule when it comes out tomorrow. <laughs> Big Ted announced that they will announce the schedules tomorrow. We got the announcement about the announcement today that they will announce tomorrow the 2023 schedule. And we've already learned from Scott Docterman's reporting that divisions will be maintained as we know them for one more season. Mm-hmm. At least, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't. Who knows? They haven't revealed what they're going to do when USC and UCLA come in. I think everyone's anticipating a pod setup. I'm really scared of the pod thing. I'm really worried about that. I'm not going to like it because I want. I want. I want a, a division that we have a chance to win. I don't want to be in a 14, 16, 18 team league where just everybody plays and. And uh, the team with the best record wins. That's too many teams. There's too many. You don't play everybody. I mean, it's, it, there's no. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. I if I'm going to have 14 teams in the conference, I want to have two divisions. And that's what we have right now. And if you go to 16, now 16. Well, I want eight teams in two divisions. That's what I want. Yeah. I won't get it. No, understand. I mean, I, I this is what I want. I, nobody. It's not coming. We can see that. It's not going to happen. If you did it just by geography and Illinois was in the West, then you're playing UCLA and USC every year by that solution. Yeah, and, well, they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And 
shoot, who knows what, let's say they, you know, Brett Bielma is advocating for border rivalry, you know, preserved games in this pod with well, border opponents, well, right, be it right. Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, We're going to have a pod with USC and... and uh, Ohio State and, and Michigan. And, you know, and it'd, be, it'd be Purdue, Northwestern, and somebody else. And possibly uh, one of those two teams out west, because they got they've got a you got to set your pods up not entirely on geog- nope. geography. You've got to set it up where it's fair, and the league can't be fair as long as Ohio State gets all the better players. It can't be fair. I mean, whoever plays Ohio State is going to say, "Well, that's not fair." Well, theoretically, everybody has the same chance to go get mm-hmm. those players. Well, they don't. <laughs> well, yes, that's we know. But the one thing I was encouraged by uh, this week, because I'm only concerned about the one game with Nebraska, and every team that we have played so far has expressed going in that they have problems in the offensive line. It was true of Iowa. It was true of Louisville. I mean, it was true of Wyoming. It was true of Virginia. All the way along. Indiana, they all had problems in the offensive line. If they have problems in the offensive line, that means our defensive line is going to whip them. And if our defensive line wins, we should win the game. As long as our defensive line is dominant against the other team's offensive line, Illinois has got a great chance to win. Didn't win the Indiana game, although they should have, in my opinion. But this is, this is one of those odd years where every team that they've played and every team that so far that they've played, this will make eight, has had problems expressed prior to the game in the offensive line. Well, there's a lot of other factors, too, that have just all worked oh, yeah. in Illinois football's favor this year, yep. given just, you yep. mentioned the offensive lines, but just there's a lot of programs that aren't playing as well as they thought they could be. Coaching changes and all that, and Illinois has been able to seize the moment. Mm-hmm. And 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 well, that's this, why this the, team's come that's together. That's why the Illini are leading the the, na- the nation in defense. Yeah, is because they they don't give the passers enough time to pass, and they're able to stop the run, and they've done it extremely well. They are still number one in the nation in uh, in defense. Let's see, they're okay. They've given up fifteen hundred and forty eight yards, three point seven eight yards per carry per per play, not carry per play. And they've given up five offensive touchdowns in seven games. That's pretty good. Pretty darn good. We'll come back and get the thoughts of Robert Rosenthal after this. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who will tell you who will benefit most from Luke Goody's injury. Ty Rogers might get more playing time. It's a Tuesday Sports Talk. Time for our conversation with Robert Rosenthal. Heads up IlliniBoard.com. Noted Illinois football observer and advocator and appreciator of Illinois football as well. From his bi-week bunker still, we'll get you back in studio here soon enough, Robert. Hope you're doing well. Great to have you with us. I am. I'm looking out at snow on the ground, so it's a little (laughs) different. I think that's actually, to me, that's actually a better picture than the rain we're looking at, but you got to trade it off for the temperatures um, yeah. as, as well. Hey, uh, I want to dive into thoughts on Illinois and Nebraska and all that, but tomorrow we're going to learn, tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to learn next year's schedule for the Big Ten. And I'm wondering if uh, anybody took suggestions from you at the league office about what Illinois' schedule or anybody else's will be. <laughs> 
Uh, no, they have not taken my suggestions, but I am, I am more fascinated by this schedule release. I think we talked about it last week. You know, I'm more fascinated by this than any of the, you know, every other time that they release a schedule, okay, Big Ten will announce the next four years or the next six years of Big Ten games. They're restricted to whatever their structure is. You know, this, this latest structure is because they wanted to keep the Indiana-Purdue rivalry alive and they didn't have any other cross-east-west rivalries that they wanted to guarantee. Every team got a rival for six years and then they were going to change it. So, you know, Illinois had Rutgers for six straight years from 2016 to 2021. You know, you're going to play them every year and then all of the other teams you will play twice once at home once away in those six years and there presto you've got your schedule they're going to do something like that again starting in 2024 when usc and ucla join and maybe divisions go away and maybe that it's just you know there's pods you know there's all different ways they could do it but in the meantime they have one year 2023 with no boundaries if they wanted to say okay we want to set up some matchups so we're going to have Wisconsin play Ohio State, and we're going to have Iowa play Michigan. Whatever they want to do, they can do. There's no restriction. There's no these teams have to play X amount of times over six years. They're just going to pick three cross-divisional games tomorrow and then go with a completely different schedule in 2024. So I am fascinated by this because they could do whatever they want. They could set up whatever matchup they want. They could give some teams Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. They can get other teams Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland. There's no restriction, and they're just going to choose what they want to do. So it'll be very, very interesting to me. Well, you know you're going to get three from the East, and the chances are you're not going to play the same three that you played this year. In that, in that, in that a fairly good guess. I mean, they're they're going to try you would to think, but you know, this year was, you know, suppose this was the makeup year for what games were missed during COVID and such. So they Mm -hmm. at least had some structure there Mm -hmm. for this one. They could just do whatever, you know, there's no, there's nothing that would say, you know, they might say that they might say, okay, Illinois has not played Maryland since 2018. And so Maryland is on the Illinois schedule. Um, But we just don't know how they're going to do it. They're just picking a one-off schedule and, you know, we'll see what it is. Robert Rosenthal is here with us from IlliniBoard.com. Go ahead, Lauren. Well, I'm going to guess that Illinois plays Maryland, and I'm going to guess that Illinois plays Ohio State. I don't know who the third. I would say that. that. That's an awful good guess because we didn't play them this year, and we didn't play, as you say, Maryland for years. And, you know, Ohio State, we haven't been on there too much uh, over the years lately. Uh, once upon a time, we played them every year. <laughs> but uh, And that went on for decades. Yeah, I after saw one de- suggestion saying that they were going to uh, make sure every rivalry game was, was picked up. So, but would no, you consider Illinois and Indiana a rivalry game? Uh, no, I mean the trophy games is what they're. Most of the trophy games have stayed within conferences, but things like Illibuck, you know, went away, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Illinois and Ohio State didn't play every year, so you know maybe they could go do something like that. Fans have been pining for the Illibuck, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you might get an opportunity on December third. Oh yeah, it's yeah, not out of the realm. Out of the possibility, and the the this has been to me. There's been a demarcation point here now, from the first seven games of the season to now, where Illinois should probably be favored in every game going forward, except for Michigan. And this has 
this has been a remarkable turnaround, and they're in the driver's seat to win the West. So uh, you, you got to love the position they're in, Robert. And I was asked this uh, yesterday on a Nebraska show is, you know, where are the concerns for Illinois right now? My take was there is no concerns except, you know, you know where there are weak points. I guess you could say there's some questions around special teams, and I guess the Illinois hasn't faced a really uh, hyper-prolific offense yet. But other than that, it feels like you know what Illinois is now. So I'll ask you, are there any concerns? You know, the first thing that comes to mind with concern is a up-tempo drive um, that Illinois just starts getting behind, basically the last drive at Indiana. Um, you know, the one loss this year, the one weak point, was Indiana's two-minute drill. They spread out five wide. They went right down the field. They scored the winning touchdown. We even saw Iowa, which does not at all have a good offense, at the end of the first half go into two-minute drill, and they surprisingly moved the ball through the air. Um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of the one thing that comes to mind is, if there is a passer, maybe it's J.J. McCarthy, and maybe it's the Nebraska quarterback, you know, if there is a QB that can get in a groove and they can run up tempo and they can keep Illinois from switching because they're snapping the ball seven seconds after it's set and they're keeping the same players on the field and you can't get reinforcements out there, I'd say that's the one concern Obviously, you know, Brett Bielma said they were working on it after the Indiana game, and that became this big thing. Look, we can't be this defense that's great for 58 minutes and then give up a two-minute drill. So they've spent a lot of time on it since. Um, But I'd say that's the one concern is, like you said, a prolific high-scoring offense um, that can really move the ball through the air. Absolutely. Everybody's everybody's got his chance to do that against you. And Casey Thompson's as good a – he had four years at Texas. He started 10 games for Texas last year. He must be a decent quarterback. He's thrown for 1,800-plus this year. And, uh, you know, he's a threat. And and, and he also has an outstanding receiver in an LSU transfer, Trey Palmer, who leads the Big Ten, believe it or not, in in yardage receiving, 47 for 781. So – um, yes, the passing game is always going to be a threat, and that's why I'm hopeful that Illinois can put the same kind of pressure on. I remember going in the Virginia game scared to death that this that Armstrong was going to compete passes to three, had three outstanding receivers, and he just didn't have time to pass. And if that yep. is the case again, Tom uh, Thompson will have trouble. Yep. Yeah, it, it, Nebraska is a tricky matchup for Illinois because they can move the ball through the air. Um, they don't have a good defense. They, you know, gave up forty something to Georgia Southern. They've, you know, Purdue ran for a bunch of yards on them, and Purdue doesn't run the ball. So you would you would think Illinois can really move the ball against this defense. But yeah, this will this will be a test for the, especially on the, you know, on the road after a bye week, all the way up to number seventeen. You know, driver's seat Big Ten West. This is a an interesting letdown game test to see if uh, the Illini are ready. Did you see seventeen coming? Forget six and one. Would you have said, "Yeah, this is a top twenty-five team"? Uh, Before the season? Yeah, even a, a couple weeks in. You know, I don't know, early in the season. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I don't think I saw it until Virginia. I mean, you know, the Indiana game. 
even through Chattanooga, the Indiana game was still hanging out there. Of like, look, you went on the road one time and uh, you lost to a team that's probably going three and nine this year. And you know, it just it just didn't 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 seem like this was going to be. You know, sure you you you've looked good on at home. You know, then you you shut down Virginia. You hold Chattanooga to a field goal or whatever. Um, you start to think, wow, this is this is a really good defense. And then you know the Wisconsin game changed the picture for the entire season. But if you would have offered me some kind of bet to say, hey, what do you think? Illinois would be six and one, number seventeen at the end of October. I would have I would have bet against it with a lot of money. Complacency is the the word that Brett Bielma brought up again. That that's the thing you have to. Uh, fight against, and I wonder if that's sort of the psychological, intangible side of this game, because you're favored and you're you're just you've got all this momentum, and you're coming off a bye week, and you could maybe feel kind of good about yourself. And you have a Nebraska team here, Robert. That I wonder if they're more unpredictable. Now the coaches are saying they're pretty much what they were before in scheme and and philosophy before uh, Mickey Joseph took over as the head coach in the middle of the season. But I, I just don't know. This just seems like a dangerous game. Well, let me just say that Lenny is concerned about if you march the ball up and down the field, you are susceptible to mistakes that stop drives. And they were very fortunate in the last game that they did it six times against Minnesota, and they got inside the, the red zone every time, all six, and they got two touchdowns and four field goals. Now, the other thing that happens when you march that way in, in short chunks is when you get inside the 15-yard line or the 10-yard line, it's very hard to score. It just is. That's the toughest part. To, that's, it's tough, and Illinois has had a problem with that all year. So there are two reasons why you, you, you want to see them get a lot of points in this game because they're going to get a lot of yards, but that doesn't mean necessarily touchdowns. Robert? Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. I, you know, I'm just thinking through – other games where Illinois has played a team that the head coach was fired. I'm thinking of Minnesota in 2010. Uh, you know, Minnesota comes in in 2010. They were like one and eight on the season or whatever. And Illinois was trying to lock up a bowl game and Minnesota went the length of the field to score one, something like 35, 32 at the very end or something like that. Um, you know, there've been several games where Illinois has played some of these interim coaches um, and the other team plays with that whole nothing to lose kind of thing. All the pressure's gone, and they're just kind of having some fun. So, um, so yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot. I mean, think of the Purdue after Daryl Hazel got fired. What was that? Twenty sixteen. Purdue comes in. I think Hazel been fired the week before or something, and that's the game Illinois lost in overtime. Chase McLaughlin missed the field goal off the upright, to, and it went to overtime, and Illinois lost in overtime. So. Yeah, there have been a lot of games against interim coaches where, you know, the, the other teams just kind of play with, you know, no pressure, no you know, just play abandon and, and, you know, really, you know, just go have fun instead of under the pressure of what it was before the coach was fired. So that's a concern. Well, they're 2-2 two and two since, since uh, Frost stepped down or was asked to step down. Mm-hmm. They were no match for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's not great, but they're good enough. 49-14 they beat them. And then they beat Indiana. Is it, was that was that a game? Um, am I do I recall right? That game was twenty-one all, and they scored the last two touchdowns. Anyway, they won at thirty-five twenty-one. They beat Rutgers fourteen thirteen, and then Purdue they 
they really stung Purdue with some long passes, which alerts you to the fact that they like to go deep, and they will try to mm-hmm. strike on you. But uh, they lost that one 43-37. So they've, uh, they've scored some points, uh, particularly against Indiana and, and Purdue and, and under the new, uh, Mickey Joseph. And I, I just don't see them getting many points against Illinois Saturday. I don't think that's going to happen unless – Unless there's some real breakdowns, we had a breakdown in the Indiana game too. That wasn't just that final march. They hit a they hit a long one against Illinois in that game. Yeah, I mean the the other thing that's you know the thing that's crazy about college <laughs> excuse me what's crazy about college football is just just look at the Oklahoma Texas score and the Nebraska Oklahoma score. You know, Nebraska just falls apart against Oklahoma. What was it forty nine fourteen was the final mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Oklahoma goes and loses what forty nine nothing to Texas, and you know, and now Texas has lost three times. It's just it's crazy that there can be games that can be such blowouts, but they don't really mean what they think you mean. You know, after after Oklahoma blew out uh, Nebraska, you thought, look, Oklahoma's really good, and you know, Nebraska's just kind of going to pack it in for the season. And then Oklahoma goes, and they they lose forty nine nothing. And oh wait, no, Oklahoma's really bad, which means maybe Nebraska's awful. It's just you you can't follow that string all the way through because you just don't know what team you're going to get on on a Saturday. And you know, hopefully for Illinois, it's the it's the the team that was the Nebraska that was playing Oklahoma. Well, able to stay home on a Saturday with no Illinois game, no work to do, watch games all day long. 11 o'clock to 10 o'clock, 11 hours of watching nothing but college football. And I came away dazed on one hand (laughs) and on the other aware that crazy things happen. Miami had eight turnovers. Iowa had five turnovers. or One of the teams had 14 penalties and won. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fourteen to zero in penalties, and they won. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, I mean, and, you know, and, and Weaver State's—that's the best story of all. The snapper snapped the ball over the punter's head four times for sa- for safeties. I mean, for safeties and two points. They lost by five yep. or six points. Yeah, I'm going to say it was yep. the margin of of, and so, and this was a good team they're playing in their division, yep. you know, and so, so that's why you can't predict all. It. It's very difficult. You know, I I was able to watch a little of the uh, Syracuse-Clemson game, and that had one of those plays that completely turned the game on its head. It had the 95-yard fumble return. Mm-hmm. You know, So Clemson's about to score to go up big, and not only do they not score from the five, you know, yep. Syracuse scores, and that's yep. a 14-point swing. You know, it turns what would be, you know, what would be a 17-7 game into a game you're losing kind of thing. It's just crazy how... Uh, you know, one play in football can just flip a game on its head. Robert, I'll leave you this. It occurred to me that a win this Saturday for Illinois would be their seventh of the season and does not guarantee a winning season. You follow? Wow. I hadn't thought of that, but that's all I'm going to think about for the next six hours, Scott, because that's, you know, you know, as, as the Illinois fan, I've been saying that, like, just get to seven wins so you finally have a guaranteed winning season. Now, I mean, I, right. I, that's, there's a crazy scenario because like, you probably don't win the division if you only are if you st- stay stuck at seven. Right. But, but it is it is mathematically possible. I mean, 
I'm sure you saw the thing on Twitter this week. It's mathematically possible for Northwestern to win the Big Ten at, a, at going four and eight, and they would win the Big Ten West. It's <laughs> <laughs> not mathematically eliminated from winning the conference. Um, and going to the Big Ten Championship as a 4-8 and eight football team. Should probably be a rule against that, like like high school football, like you have to have a minimum number of wins to qualify. Right, but. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All I right. Mean, look, Brett Bielma did it with Wisconsin. What were they, 6-6? Six and six? Uh, What was that, 2012, 2011? Yeah, but d- didn't he get uh, some help with probation or something like that? Or I mean, I don't teams. remember what. Yeah, so there were two teams in the that was leaders and legends, and there were two teams in the division that were um, were not were unable to go to postseason play. So they finished third in the division, went to postseason play, ended up winning the Big Ten championship game and going to the Rose Bowl. So yeah, that's crazier things can happen. All right, my friend, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Safe travels to Lincoln and enjoy the moment. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, Robert Rosenthal writes for IlliniBoard.com on Twitter at IlliniI. Yeah, seven wins. Not necessarily a winning season in college football these days. Back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Illini family, it's Brett Bielma. We have a big road test this Saturday at Nebraska. And Illini game day coverage is right here on DWS. Sports Talk on a Tuesday. Here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, I'm Scott Beatty and he's Lauren Tate. Forever, the state of Illinois has been known for producing good, strong basketball players. Outstanding basketball players. Okay. There are 12 All-Stars. From the state of Illinois, the best 12 All-Stars we've chosen today. I can't argue with the list. It's a list that includes some mighty good people. Isaiah Thomas, Wade, uh, Hardaway, Aguirre, Walker, Finley, uh, on down the line, uh, George Mike, and all the way down to George. 12 players. Native Illinoisans. Yep. Native Illinoisans, not one. Finish my sentence. Not one attended the University of Illinois. Yep. The top 12 players in do ever come out of Illinois. So Kendall Gill's not in that? Well, this is based on the most all-star appearances. High school? All, no, no, no. NBA. Oh, all, NBA. Oh, okay. Yeah. The most NBA all-star appearances. Okay. Not one of them attended the University of Illinois. Not one. That's an interesting little nugget. Yeah, it is. I, I mean... And it's it's been it's been a problem for Illinois to get those kind of players I mean, over over the years. They, the, the number one player in, in many of the years I recall, all the way including uh, Howard, who uh, Jaron's Howard was a uh, was maybe coming to Illinois. He was really close. Sigma Harv Schmidt did everything to get Sigma to come to Illinois, but he wound up going to Wesleyan, and then became an all star in the NBA. I mean, you know, of course we never had a chance for George Mike, and he went to DePaul. Uh, and Aguirre, when we got Johnson, that killed us on Aguirre. When we got Eddie Johnson, then we couldn't get Aguirre the next year. And it's just, you go back and look it over, and, and we've, Illinois has missed on who turned out to be, the 12 guys who turned out to be the 12 greatest all-stars at the NBA level from the state. Interesting. Interesting. 
All right, we'll come back with a little more here on Sports Talk and then transition into hour number two, carrying you till 6 o'clock. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. See who Trade Services recently announced the winner of their giveaway for a free HVAC and AC system for a teacher in need. Michael Michener of Urbana High School, a math teacher there, was the winner. Based on nominations submitted to CU Trade Services, they say they wish they could give one to every teacher, but it was a way to acknowledge all the good things that teachers do for us. They're getting a free train system that will be included with free installation and a year's warranty as well. CU Trade Services can take care of your heating and cooling needs, and right now you're probably thinking about how to run both of them at the same time with the swings of temperature that we've had. I just had my furnace tuned up by CU Trade Services. You can get on a maintenance plan with them. And uh, make sure things are on the up and up when the seasons change. And you don't have to worry about major catastrophes when you least expect it. And usually when you least need it as well. CU Trade Services at cutradeservices.com. Lauren Tate, you read that list of the best native Illinois basketball players, all-stars in the NBA level. Most. uh, It would be a different list. We were just thinking about this if it was the best state of illinois high school players absolutely be all together different and and many of those came to illinois a few yeah and not all no but several like, of illinois what you never could been able to get i shouldn't say never but they seldom been able to get the, the really top rated players it was just a brief time there when lou henson got uh, nick anderson and, and he got uh, larry smith and he and he picked up uh um several others that were and bill self got the peoria pipeline going and mm-hmm. got d yeah, from right and, and Illinois had a few Mr. Basketballs. It turned out not to be, but you the, know. But the the pipeline that we got from Peoria, those three guys didn't play much in the NBA. No. I mean, Williams played very briefly, and Griff didn't play. and, and Sergio didn't. Sergio, I don't think he played at all in the well, NBA, did A he? terrific line of college players there, mm-hmm. and then just didn't, didn't materialize to the next yep. level. And that yep. has been a theme on this show many times about there's Your a story prowess that, to play in the NBA. Whether it's whether it's Rose, whether it's Wade, whether it's Sigmas, I meant there's a story behind every one of these. Finley. There's a story behind Finley. We Wisconsin got on on him really early and got Finley before and he was not the best player on his high school team when he was a junior. Now when he was a senior, he was really good and he went into played and had a tremendous career at Wisconsin. Then he goes into the NBA and becomes an all star. And nobody would have suspected that. Antoine Walker, we never had a, chance, a shot at him, but Aguirre, we really did. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, no, we never had a shot at him. He went to Kentucky and won a national championship for him. Jabari Parker? Parker is not listed, not a part of this list. Well, that's, yeah, that's because, I'm sorry, you're right. You're thinking yeah. of NBA All-Stars. Yeah. I was just thinking of great high yeah, school great players. Yeah, high school that, player, number one player in the state. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he went to Duke, but. Yep. Uh, and of course, uh, the Howard thing. Howard was coming to Illinois. We think when the when the, the fun, when the problems hit with the NCAA. What would have been? We'll see you tomorrow, sir. We'll talk with Sean Callahan tomorrow from Husker Online. Get a little more intel on the Nebraska Huskers. Evans in next hour. Matt Stevens as well. 
News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, 5 o'clock news update.